0: ASI, this is season 5, episode 28. My name is Russ Shaw. The title of this episode, titling this episode Easter Bunnies and Johnny Cash. Why? Spring is in the air. There's new life. People celebrate with eggs and bunnies. And this season has me celebrating the resurrection with bunnies and the man in black. And yeah, here he is with the Soundgarden cover. Rusty Cage, season five. You wired
1: me awake and hit me with the hand of broken nail. You tied my lead and pulled my chain to watch my blood begin to boil. But I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my Rusty Cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm going to break my, going to break my rusty cage and run.
0: And there goes some Johnny Cash right there. Doing a Easter podcast, I, I tend to do these a lot. I've done them over the years, and I want you to stick with me on this. If you're not a religious person, I'm not a big religious person, all right? I do understand that Easter, this season, is a religious holiday, people would call it, right? For me, it's more about human history, all right? It's more about the God, uh, creator of the universe, who did come down, put on flesh, and walk among us, Like, to me, that's bigger than religion. It's just human history. And I do understand that this is a faith-based type of statement I'm making. Like, there's not a lot of evidence that you can point to historically. There is quite a bit of evidence, and it is pretty tangible. And I do believe that there's something that we have to do with that. I've noticed that over the years, there's certainty addicts, right, On both sides of this Jesus um, historical figure, you know, the people that do the Jesus papers and the Da Vinci Code people. And then there's the hardcore Christian folks who are like, this is what happened. And, you know, this is history. and, And really somewhere in between is the truth. It's faith. I believe uh, with all my heart that Jesus is God, all right that God put on human flesh, that He did walk among us, that He did come to this broken, this messed up place, um, His creation that He gave us dominion over and he wasn't a control freak who just decided to control everything we did, but he gave us the ability to uh, you know make decisions for ourselves free will, some would call it, right? But I also believe very strongly in love and the energy that love is, and the fact that the Bible says that God is love. There's a part of the Bible where Moses asks God who he is, and God just says, I am, right? Jesus says this to the religious elites of the day as well, and he, they didn't like that so much when he referred to himself as the I am I just am but when you put god in the noun area what is god first john says that god is love that's what god is and the bible says god so loved the world that he gave God demonstrated love by walking here among us, coming into the mess and the soup with us. I remember Mars Hill Church in Seattle. It no longer exists. Um, Broken people had a great idea. The punk rock church, right? A lot of fundamentalism crept in and the teachings of I don't know, guys like John Piper, and I'm not going to point fingers, all right, but the whole thing just collapsed under ego and people having to be right, you know. But going back to some of my fond memories of Mars Hill was during this day. As I'm recording this, it's uh, Good Friday, 2017, But back during the Mars Hill days, I remember Good Friday was like Black Friday, not the Black Friday that, you know, you buy a bunch of garbage around Christmas and go into debt. No, this was the funeral, right? This was the Good Friday service in Ballard, you know, where we'd walk in and the music was somber and kind of dark and the lighting was turned down and dark. Everyone's wearing black. Some of the women actually have veils, like, at a funeral, and it looked like a heavy metal show, you know? And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is how we do it in Seattle, right? And it felt kind of like home. And it felt cool to a certain degree. I don't know if that's okay. Should it be cool? It's just our style around here, you know? Felt right. Right. The day that the Creator God put on black for the sake of intimate relationship with us who suffer here. And while Mars Hill Church was a blip in the American church history books, rightly so, realizing all the stories of just corruption and bullying and it's a very human story right the way that people get together and and try and love this god of ours without the the ego trying to move in there and take center stage and speaking of being up on the stage seattle is a artsy city we have a lot of creators and artists here and there's something about that uh, the creative intuition that comes from some part of the soul and then the uh, ego kind of globs on to it and it becomes something else. Like that's why I love uh, Johnny Cash so much as an artist. Here's a guy who loved the Lord. Uh, he loved God despite all of his flaws that he kept very publicly out in the light. And probably, like a lot of artists and public people, it wasn't always his choice. But the late Johnny Cash is a, an artist that I admire because of his style, because of his story, because of his identifying with the broken, with addicts, with the poor. Uh, Johnny, growing up very poor, uh, on a cotton plantation with his folks and his dad who was uh, had a troubled life Johnny did and it wasn't just being poor either uh, a guy like Johnny being rich and famous wasn't all he'd imagined and a way to alleviate the pain and emotional trauma no no Having wealth, fame, and power without the healing of the heart was just a whole nother level of suffering. And whether you're a songwriter, performer like Johnny Cash was, or an accountant, a business person, a computer programmer, we all build from some performance-based or achievement-based alter ego that lives in all of us, this uh, empire, right, or mini-empire, or large empire. It's our work, our home, our life. Reflecting on what happened at Mars Hill Church and speaking of alter egos, right, and Mark Driscoll and how the, the empire the machine some of us called it in the later times before it collapsed um how it really was a thing in the world right which is really what all churches and religious institutions are it's not good bad right or wrong it's a system but it's the people that make up the system that is the church or religious institution right lately i've been getting reconnected with ac3 which was a church that I went to before Mars Hill. And this really happened after my mom passed. And I I saw the church being the church around what happened with my mom and how she was part of the family there. And, you know, I'm, I'm in there thinking that I'm going to have to pay for this, right? Like having this huge memorial service and Pastor Rick is, is doing the eulogy and the speaking and a bunch of people are speaking and basically having a Saturday uh, where, you know, all the, how, how am I, I don't, Rick, I don't have the money for that. Rick is like, Dude, this is a family thing. Your mom was part of this family, this church family. And, uh, you know, I was in tears over that. That's the church being the church. And Rick, speaking of Easter, the point of this podcast, he did a great uh, sermon about Palm Sunday. And he's talking about some of the villains of the story. It's called the bad boys of the Bible, is what basically the sermon series that he was laying out, you know, before Easter, and this guy Caiaphas and John eleven. And how, you know, the way I always heard the Easter story taught is that Jesus comes in, they're putting palm leaves down like he's a rock star. You know, he's riding into town on a donkey and there's palm leaves are being put in front of him. And he's walking in and, you know, he's there for the Passover festival, right? Well, part of the reason he's there is not just Passover, it's his friend Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. He hears Lazarus is sick. Lazarus, he gets to Judea, which is like the western part of Jerusalem, and Lazarus is dead, and he's even told, you know, if you're going to go to Jerusalem, they're probably going to kill you, and Jesus is like, I know, I'm going to see Lazarus, right, now, I'm not there for the Passover thing, like it's a big religious celebration, and because Jesus is this rabbi, right? He's got to go to the big religious conference, because that's what you do. What if Jesus is there because his friend Lazarus is sick? This is one of the parts where we see the humanity of Jesus, and he he weeps, his, his friend is dead. All of this is recorded in John 11, by the way, if you want to read the story for yourself. Verse 38 says that Jesus approaches the tomb where, where Lazarus' is, is, his body is in there, right? And, and it says, the Amplified Version, the Amplified Bible says that Jesus is moved emotionally to the point of anger. Which I find really interesting because I believe that death is not part of the original design, right? Death crept in later, you know, and and God is angry at death. It reminded me of the psychology around addiction and some of this new information that's coming out around mindfulness and the ways to, to treat people with addiction today. And one of the big ones is to throw that word out altogether, addiction or addict, and instead use the word disconnected, right? The words connection, the words attachment, attachment, Not just with meds, but, you know, understanding that uh, psychologically uh, addiction is a a, attachment disorder, right? Like we're psychologically it's called addiction as attachment disorder. But really, to me, it seems like there's something very spiritual about that. Uh, Rob Bell did, uh, did a talk and a book tour kind of thing around colleges. Called everything is spiritual, you know. Not that there's some disconnect between this is spiritual, this isn't. But sometimes we use these these terms and labels. It doesn't feel very spiritual. But I believe there's something very spiritual and relationally right. The, the picture of the Trinity, for example, as my friend Paul Young would say this that God is the agape love. That God is is other centered, self giving face to face to face that is connection people and I think that's one of the big lies that we believe is that we can be disconnected from God because of our sin or God's disappointed in us or God's got us at arm's length and he God hates me believing that lies is is a big spiritual uh, clusterfuck you know and there's some of the ways that hell is described, right? Like hell is separation from God. Hell is a, a, a disconnect from God. Sin is a disconnect from the spirit, right? It's the, it's the self, right? The, the, that egotistical part of us folding in on the self, as Martin Luther would say. So seeing addiction as a physical manifestation of a disconnect seems very true to me as a guy who experienced it in more ways than just the chemical. And listen, Jesus isn't afraid of... I mean, there's so much... I learned that there's just some really horrible shit in church, like... God only would would Jesus watch that movie with you right like this Jesus is this holy man who wouldn't interact or be in relationship with people like myself you know uh it was just so not true. I mean, Matthew nine eleven, Jesus is accused by the same religious people, right? If the Pharisees lived today, that's something they would say, you know. Would you, Jesus watch that that film with you, you're right? <laughs> Jesus is called a friend of sinners. And they're criticizing the disciples. They ask him, why does your teacher hang out with sinners and prostitutes? Why does he do that? Like, God would not want to connect with us see that's a lie it's a lie that as we believe it we tend to feel like we're farther and farther away from God and then we start to say things like what what happened to me you know what have I become the cover of this song by Johnny Cash is so powerful here you go this is from the the music video hurt. You stay the hell away from me, you hear? I
1: wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time The feelings disappear You are someone else I am still right here What have I become My sweetest friend everyone i know goes away in the end. and you could Non-fell. It was very, emo- it was a very emotional video. I mean, did you feel very emotional doing it? I did. Doing I it? did. I felt very emotionally emotional doing the Hurt video, yes. <clears throat> uh, did people criticize you for that sort of song back in those years? Always have. Yeah. They always have. I've always had it pointed up mm. uh, in my face that uh, I wrote a song with a line in it, like I shot a man in Reno mm. just to watch him die. Mm. When I wrote it, yeah. I was thinking, that I was in that prison, mm-hmm. that's where I try to, I try to put myself in the place of uh that I'm singing about. You can't let people delegate to you what you should do when it's coming from way in here, you know? And somebody comes up in your face with something, tells you what you ought to do, then uh, you can, you can take them at their word or you can uh, or you can just turn your back, you know. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't let anybody influence me into thinking I was doing the wrong thing by singing about death, hell, and drugs. Yeah. Because I've always done that, and I always will.
0: That's a clip from uh, Johnny Cash's final interview. I got that from YouTube with uh, Kurt Loader there. Um, He's such a humble guy, Johnny Cash, and I love what he said there. Uh, did you hear that? That uh, when it's coming from down in here, he says, that uh, the Holy Spirit nudge, maybe, That's that spirit at center, it's a big part of what I'm talking about here with season five and uh, this energy, and maybe it's a, a disconnection energy that the compulsion to creativity uh, moving that that spirit to center some um, here, here's a little more uh, from from johnny cash
1: look i appreciate all that all the all the praise and the glory but um uh, it uh, it doesn't change the way i feel about anything really i just do what i do and just hope the people enjoy it and just try to be myself in whatever i do
0: that's another thing I love about Johnny. As a man of faith, he has a different bead on what it means to be oneself. Because just being ourselves, right? You know, a lot of the self-help community talks about, and and my criticism of that over the years has always been that it was in a sort of shallow way, right? Like just be yourself. Like you know, that's vague. You're like what the hell does that mean, right? And I think the main thing is that self-help can be a lot of really like red lizard help, right? Or alter ego help. I even heard a guy who does a life coaching thing where he talks about yourself getting in the way of yourself and then there's some truth to that we do get in the way of ourselves but he has this whole program for creating new alter egos for yourself and i'm like what <laughs> you know and i get that i've had alter egos that i've created that have helped i felt keep me safe but ultimately they're just shallow pride capsules and They can also disguise themselves as being spiritual or holy, right? That's Jesus going after the the self-righteous Pharisees and over and over. I mean, Matthew 23. So... My friend Seth Taylor shared uh, a post by a friend of his who's a pastor here in the Seattle area named Ryan Meeks. Ryan Meeks is a pastor of a church, um, Eastlake, where he openly said, yeah, gay people can come and be members of Eastlake. Um, gay people can even... This is the controversial part. You do like uh, community groups and and lead here in the church. And here's a guy who sees the benefit of right the people who are healing, people who are growing, and all of us are sinners. All right. Oh, well, that's a sin, Russ. Like that's they're openly practicing sin well so were you so were a lot of people but people like again my my guest uh, i had a a while back cash peters here's a guy who's gone on this relentless pursuit of healing and has some fruit and some growth from it and so ryan talking about bringing you know gay people it's it's fine for gay people to join east lake and and just people are freaking out like don't you know that's sin and it's always the people that seem to say that sin is out there or sin is what other people are doing and and it had me angry all right and I posted this on Facebook and I'll share it with you here uh, and it was it was out of reading some of these really mean posts by Christians who have no idea of the the damage they do and when they come under fire, and when they're meant to feel bad, some part of their ego says, you know, brings up a verse, right? Oh, well, you're being persecuted because you tell the truth, or you know, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. And no, that's not what you're doing. You're you're being like a Pharisee, and your persecution. Here, here's what I wrote. I said, "Ugh, Facebook Christians." Do you realize that the world is not persecuting you because you're a Christian? And I put that in quotes, exclamation point, question mark. It's not because you tell the truth and are religious that the world is persecuting you. It's because of the blindness to the weightier parts of the Bible. You say you believe. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel, keeping the outside of your cup And boasting how shiny, clean, and sparkly it is, while inside it's full of rotting flesh and bones. It's because you tie up heavy burdens for those who don't struggle with the same things as you while you snicker. It is because you're a cold-hearted asshat and your pungent self-righteousness is repulsive. That's why the world is persecuting you, not because you're crushing it for Jesus and I know I may have been a little harsh there and this was some indignation that was rising up in me and I had to I just had this had to come out man it was like lancing a pussy zit or something and maybe that's part of the problem it's like Facebook or Twitter is just wrought with knee-jerky trigger-fingery righteous indignation you know um so a bunch of comments on that came up. I'm not going to read them all. A lot of people were mad. All right, uh, a lot of Christians were mad. A lot of people said I was insensitive to the persecuted church. So, in response, I wrote this because I'm not. This is the persecuted Facebook troll is is basically what I was referring to. Uh, so I wrote this back, um, letting the punk theologian to me vent some. It's Passion Week, and I wrote this post, reflecting on the events that led up to Jesus being crucified. I was also reflecting on my years as an addict, believing God could never love someone as filthy and habitually, repeatedly sinful as I. Cool to cool to see Pastor Pass Shabaz, a pastor in Pakistan, liked my post here. Check out his page. He's part of the real persecuted church, not the social media troll Christians I was referring to here. The balls on this guy, right? Most of us don't have the stones to go to Pakistan as a Christian, much less start a church there. Has, as I call him for short, a guy who feeds people and educates kids in his community and not just the Christians. I'm humbled and honored to have pastor friends like him around the world who are demonstrating God's love and good religion by feeding widows and orphans in their affliction rather than bad religion that's overwhelming millions every day. That is a lyric uh, by a band. Punk rock band called Bad Religion uh, in their song American Jesus. Um, Starting to get why the third world and developing countries send people here to minister to Christians. After reading some of the posts of last week's Facebook and realizing how damaging this material would have been to the shame sensitive, toxic, right? Toxic shame sensitive. Ears back when I was spiritually seeking truth. Uh, Yeah, that's me in the corner, me in the spotlight, losing my religion. Who couldn't just seem to repent and put down the glass pipe or not finish that bottle of rum again? That's me who tried hard not to chop my breakfast on a mirror or cook it in a spoon. That's me that used women as a commodity that I could devour for my own term my own short-term pleasures. And gay people, no shred of decency or empathy for gay people, treating them like modern-day lepers and then I put in quotes, ooh our kids might catch it. You know, that's the attitude I was hearing from a lot of Christians on Facebook. Um, I thought to myself, wait till they get a load of me. Years later, after setting my demons free, instead of corralling them behind barbed wire fences of shame, addictions, and secrets, my friend Seth Taylor posts a story about Ryan Meeks in Eastlake. Reading all the people... Who, don't you know these people are sinners? Um, The angry feelings rose back up like an infection under the skin that had to be lanced. I remember sitting in a pastor's office saying, Church, dude, I think I've had my fill of the shame mongers and blind, mean, holy rollers in my life. Uh, Pastor Rick Thiessen, again at AC3, uh, he said, Russ, what if it's like an addiction in their lives? covering their insecurities with religion. And Jesus felt the same way you're describing you feel. I said, I'm listening. He said, and what if Jesus had the harshest words for that crowd while having words of compassion for the swindlers, prostitutes, and those who were self-aware of their own shortcomings, the sinners, in other words? What if the Pharisees are alive and well in the 21st century? And then he unpacked Matthew 23 for me, an all-out rant by Jesus towards the religious elites of the day. I paraphrase some of that in this post. It was my heart colliding with Jesus' words as he pulled out the bricks in the wall while setting into motion his crucifixion on the cross. And that's my point of bringing up John 11 in this podcast here. And some of you, listen, man, some of you have just lost yourself. You've become religiously homogenized, you know, afraid of what those people might think. As Johnny Cash might say, here's another bumper for you. Um, So spiritually minded, you're no earthly good.
1: The gospel ain't gospel until it is spread. But how can you share it where you've got your head? There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would So heavenly minded you know earthly good If you're holding heaven then spread it around There's hungry hands reaching up here from the ground Move over and share the high ground where you stood. So heavenly minded, you know earthly
0: good. And I don't know how many church people, right, ministry folks, um, pastors, priests, bishops, I still have listening. But I realize ministries, maybe churches, and you can't even talk about what you really believe. And this faith with a small F, right? As my friend Cash Peters was saying, this, this small F faith has become the, the dominating factor in your life. And you have to walk out of the big F faith. And that takes courage. And that takes getting out of not just your comfort zone, but putting that, that ego to death. I talked about uh C S Lewis and, you know, the the Red Lizard story I, I've mentioned a lot on this, this podcast. That's like the alter ego that lives inside of us that just doesn't want to go to the cross, you know, and die. And picking up our cross daily is part of that process of again, moving the spirit in nudging it into center there, you know. While our alter egos are trying to protect and and keep everything cool under control, because the ego's got to have that control, which I think that that part of control is the opposite of love. It's the opposite of spirit. It's where the spirit is disconnected, somewhere inside of controlling everything, you know, this anxiety to control everything. And something I've seen in my life is my level of hopelessness control, right? Or fear-based control. Confessing to my wife, I thought, sure, I'd be divorced. And here I am not divorced. And I'm not saying that it's everyone's story, all right? Just with me having to confess the, the deepest, darkest stuff that I had gotten away with, right? It wasn't me, though. I was... I was scamming my wife to a certain degree she needed to know my history and some would say that's selfish and I even struggled with that that's selfish but it's it's not it's selfish to keep that dark part of your story in the dark and it's not good for you either as well all right going back to the story of Lazarus Jesus is told that it's hopeless, you know, Lazarus has died, and, and he's, he's gone, he's wrapped in burial cloths, like there's no hope, Jesus, he's dead, and, and Jesus unwraps the burial cloths, and angry at death still, right, he, he brings Lazarus back to life. He resurrects Lazarus, right? And he's Lazarus is still going to die later, but he's he's not dead anymore, and he's walking around. And this really angers the religious leaders of the time. This also reminded me of uh, how Rick unpacked it, I'm going into Rick Theason's some of his the way he did this sermon, and it reminded me of people who are. Uh, hungry and thirsty for righteousness, as Matthew 5 would say, right? The Sermon on the Mount. People who are thirsty for healing might come off as disrespectful, right? They might drop the F-bomb. They might dare to question your doctrines and systems of faith, right? With a little F. They might go after... Belief that you hold dear, you know, some of these rituals in your religion. It's not comfortable when someone is really seeking healing for real. Right. Churches don't necessarily like that. Now, they would say that they like that. But when it crosses lines and boundaries of theology and how we should think about God and, you know, whether is it, you know, the, the healing fits under whatever doctrinal parameters that we have laid out with our boundary books. Right. And things like that. You start to talk about healing in in ways that aren't orthodox to whatever denomination you're a part of now that can tick some people off because it's Jesus that heals you know we want to say that it's us and we figured it out we solved the Rubik's Cube and we know you know but God heals God heals us from the inside out in many cases and it doesn't have to do with you know reading some catechism uh, my point that I'm trying to make here comes from uh, verse forty seven again we're still in john eleven verse forty seven this is from the amplified Bible again, so the chief priests and Pharisees conceived a council of leaders in Israel and said, What are we doing for this man performs many signs um assisting miracles some other translations say he's he's showing God signs right um verse 48 if we let him go on like this everyone will believe him and the Romans will come and take away both our holy place the temple and our nation uh, that's when this guy th- this religious guy uh Calphilus, that's the the bad boy of the. I can't. I'm probably pronouncing his wrong his name wrong. Um, Caffius, uh he steps in, um, Mr. Alter ego man, right? And he's going to take the place of God. And there's a lot of that going on in churches today, where some pastor or priest or bishop. Uh, assumes the holy spirit's job position right and they try and make you feel guilty for for trying to heal right for seeking healing and recovery um and, and really what it is is just trying to protect that system that institution uh, because it threatens it right People start having, I don't know, 12-step groups in the basement. Like, that's going to threaten our our thing we have going on here. People start healing outside of our little denominational, you know, membership. These are the things we stand for, and don't you dare go outside of that. No. See, Calpheus here is a, a lot of pastors who... Um, you other pastors may be afraid of like if I actually tell the truth about how bad this whole porno thing has got for me and the fear is right faith with a little F fear this horrible outcome you might be fired yeah what's that going to look like it's going to look like going to the cross isn't it it's going to look like you being you Being yourself, you take back some of yourself when you decide to go against whatever denominational rules or membership pack platform has been drawn out for you and you choose to heal yourself and you invest in yourself because that's what this is. This is growth in the self and it's moving again, the spirit to center. And some people still do find that selfish. And that's something I was accused of a couple of times. Even recently someone told me, you know, they even have Bible verses they'll pull out like Ephesians four. You know, you're just being blown around and swept around by the winds of different doctrines, Russ. You're being led astray so easily. You know, people use scripture, (laughs) <laughs> to keep you from healing because that that's what they're protecting is they're protecting their systems and institutions just like in John 11:48:47 here um you know what, what's the line that he says what are we doing for this man performs many signs and miracles if we let Jesus actually really be the the elder of our church, the leader of our church. What does that mean for our systems and institutions and doctrines, right? See, the church is people, again, yes it's a system. Yes it's a it's a building and an institution, but inside of it's people and the people give it life. And we need to realize and be humble and understand that people are flawed. Talking to myself here, I may have to go back and apologize for uh, calling some people an asshat, right? But then again, you know, I'm not sure. Is that worse than calling someone a brood of vipers? Did Jesus apologize for that? Some ego and spirit truth going on there as well, right? What's the, the verse? Um, uh, The exalted will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Broken at different levels, right? Um, Paul Young uses this, you know, iron sharpens iron. It's good to be in community. But yes, iron sharpens iron from a certain angle, you know. And it's understanding the people that are safe enough for, for those iron sharpening iron relationships to really flourish. That's what's beautiful, but it takes some honesty and it takes some knocking down walls and barriers. Some of it's going to be challenging authority. and that's what realize that. That's what the whole Easter story is about. Jesus is challenging earthly worldly authority. Luke twenty two. Uh, Verse 2, right? Uh, By whose authority do you take down these barriers? This is a story about relationship. It's not merely an acquittal you know jesus died on the cross for your sins yes we know that it's like the geico commercial the unbeliever knows that the millennials who are walking away from the church in droves they know that this is a relational story of love and intimate connection we have to start moving away from this purely literal Linear kind of dualistic thinking. This is relational. This is emotional. These separations and disconnections from spirit to spirit, face to face, ongoing, self giving love to ask the angel to put to death the Red Lizard, right? The C.S. Lewis story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it, all right? C.S. Lewis, The Red Lizard, The Great Divorce is the name of the book that story's in. It's It's a story about an alter ego and a guy who asks it to be removed. Maybe it's an addiction. People have called it The Red Lizard of Lust, Not sure what he was referring to when he wrote that, but it's a beautiful metaphor. Uh, Again, the Pharisees of the 21st century being alive and well. uh, Mars Hill Church was a great example of a whole church family that just got busted into shattered pieces because of one man's inability to make amends to some of the people he hurt. And I pray for Mark. I believe that God is especially fond of Mark, that Mark is, is, would heal. I, I pray for his continued healing, not just for himself, but for his family and all of the institutions and all of the people that are listening to my voice now who may be in a, a church where they feel like they, they're not free to, to speak what they really believe and where they're really at. You know, like Johnny Cash was saying about that song, Folsom Prison Blues. I wrote that thinking about that guy sitting in disconnection, right? Sitting in prison. I'm going to leave you with this. It's from, again, the Amplified Bible. This is the Apostle Paul you know, Jesus is warned about going to Judea and, and you know, seeing Lazarus is like, you go, there, they're going to kill you. He's like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, have you been listening to what I've been saying? Right. And Jesus doesn't have that tone, but it, that's that's the story of Easter. Um, the Apostle Paul is told the same thing. You go to that place, man, they're going to kill you. And he says this, uh, Philippians one twenty one. For me to live is Christ. Uh, he is my source of joy, my reason to live, he says, and to die is gain, for I will be with him eternally. And to be with God eternally is not just something that happens when you die, all right? is something that's already manifest in your spirit and in your body now. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit who is indwelt and living in us now. You are connected. Stop believing the lie, right? Don't lose yourself, right? Because yourself is in there. It's in that spirit. It's in that place comes down from in deep as is Mr. Cash has said. And remember this um, rebellion that we celebrate known as Easter. All right. I'll leave you with this uh, bumper again by Mr. Johnny Cash. Uh, Jesus uh, challenges authority in the story. He's a rebel. And the religious elites and the authorities of the day put him to death. But proving that he is who he says he is, brings me emotional when I think about it. Proving that he, he really is the Christ. He comes back three days later. He comes back three days later. Good Friday isn't the end of the story. There is hope. There is peace. There is joy. But yeah, part of it is going into the land of the shadow, of the valley of death, right? But at the other end of that is hope and peace. And God says, I'm, you know, I've got plans to, to, to prosper you. That is going, there's going to be good news. There, there is good news. There ain't no grave. Hold your body down. Do you believe it? Do you have faith with a big F or a little F? I love you guys, man. Happy Easter 2017. Till next time, bye.
1: There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear the trumpet sound, I'm going to rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look way down the river, and what do you think I see? I see a band of angels, and they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down.
0: I'm going to dedicate there this podcast no to my friend Leo, who I lost my nearly a year ago. He's on Season 3, Episode 5, if you want to listen to my my recovery buddy, Leo. And, of course, the great Johnny Cash, who died September twelfth, two 2003, which is about the same time that I started this journey of recovery that led to this podcast being a reality. Thank God for guys like Johnny Cash and Leo Schultz